Manchester United's return to the Champions League was far from triumphant, although they sometimes ruffled the feathers of Bayern Munich. A lack of intensity in the second half cost them dearly, and new goalkeeper Andre Onana had a game to forget. An opportunity to make the most of Bayern's flaws was missed, and now attention turns to a vital Premier League trip to Burnley. Could a Manchester City legend give United another kick while they're down? I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Thrilled to say that Betfair ambassador and former Manchester United striker Dimitar Berbatov joins us to look ahead to this game. Berber, great to have you with us. Let's start with what happened in Munich because United had spells where they looked dangerous, had spells where they played well, but there were also big stretches of the game, especially in the second half, where they seemed way off the pace. Well, first and foremost, when you play team like Bayern Munich, one of the Europe's biggest club and strongest club, you don't need to have spells. You need to have one whole spell of 90, 95, 100 minutes of continuously good football because if you don't do this, we saw what happened last night in the first minutes of the game uh, when Bayern Munich scored the goals. Obviously, a, a, a mistake from uh, United's part as well. But this is, this is the difference. That inconsistency and that factor of not concentrating enough in the big games where one mistake can decide a game or one mistake can lead you to concede more goals after that. That's the difference. And United uh, was not concentrated last night. And because of this, when they could see two goals, then they started to get a bit better, you know, and waited for the last minutes of the game to score goals. But against teams like Bayern Munich, you don't do that or you're going to lose. Yeah, that's a really good point, Berber, actually, because it did feel like they waited too long in that second half to really push. Because once they did, Bayern aren't perfect at the moment, especially defensively, and they started to find some gaps. It is. And that sometimes when I watch the games, I'm thinking to myself, what is this? Why do we need to wait to concede one or two goals or start to play later in the game, why don't we start on the right foot straight away? You know, it's not as easy said than done, but and sometimes the opposition lets you play uh, not the way you wanted to, but United had good players. Uh, and I think sometimes they maybe underestimate what they can do. And that's why they're starting a bit slow the games. Harry Kane scored again for Bayern from the penalty spot, but he's got five goals in all competitions already for Bayern. What have you made of him so far? I mean, this is a world-class striker. I suppose we shouldn't be surprised that he's scoring goals, but he's settled in so quickly. Yeah, and, and it's great for the striker to set a win straight away. And the most important thing, that he's scoring goals. Because this is what everybody associates Harry Kane with, and any striker, with goals. So it's fantastic that straight away he uh, score goals because now he's going to be even more confident, calm, because he's a new country, new language, uh, environment is a bit different. But when you score goals, then you're relaxed. You are happy that automatically you continue to do what you have done in Spurs. 
So I'm happy for him. Uh, he's going to score many goals. He's going to score, uh, he, sorry, he's going to win trophies with Bayern Munich for sure. But as I said last night, it was painful for me to watch him score against United again and for, for, you, uh, for Munich to win. And at the other end of the pitch, obviously Kane scored against Andre Onana. He looked devastated after his error for the first goal. He was very honest afterwards, said, look, I hold my hands up. It's difficult for him, isn't it? Because he looked so good for Inter. They got to the Champions League final. A lot of that was down to him. But as you say, when you get to a new club, it can be difficult. And if you don't start well, then the nerves start to kick in, don't they? Yes. Uh, and so here are two cases. Maybe then they're not similar, but still there's some similarity. Harry Kane going to Munich, Onana going to uh, to Manchester United. Harry Kane is doing fantastic, scoring goals for fun now, doing what he's doing. And Onana, it finds it a bit difficult in the new environment. And when you do, when goalkeeper make a mistake, usually end up in a goal. You know, so this is this is the painful part. And last night was exactly that example. And I am really happy that after the game, Onana was very honest about everything. And there is uh, a great power in this. And that's why I think he's going to be fine because he's a great goalkeeper, especially with his legs, uh, calmness on the ball, giving the ball from the back, exactly what United need. And Ten Hag wants to play exactly like this. The only thing and piece of advice, if I can give him, even though I'm not a goalkeeper, but that goes for the whole team, concentration. Don't underestimate easy balls, easy situation, because the whole team is not in the position to underestimate anything right now. Yeah, and just finally on United, they go to Burnley this weekend. Burnley have had a tough start to the season, but I'm sure Vincent Company is going to want to get one over on United as a, a Manchester City legend. This feels like, again, another tricky away game. And exactly what you just talked about, Berber, that concentration is going to have to be there, but also that basic effort and intensity that you need in the Premier League. Yes, and to be honest, on paper, United must be a favourite against Burnley, you know, uh, like this. But in this case, in this moment where United are, and based on the performance and the results, they need to be even more concentrated. Uh, no underestimated that the game is going to be easy. That game is not going to be easy. Trust me, that game is not going to be easy. Uh, you have a point saying Vincent Company will want uh, his team uh, to get the points, one point or three points, uh, and go one over United. Burnley, of course, is going to have difficult in the Premier League this season, that's for sure. But uh, this is a good opportunity for them because United is struggling at the moment. So they are thinking, we can get something, boys. We can get something here, you know? So that's why United needs to be really concentrated. Because if they lose this game, then I think it's a bit, the uh, situation is getting from warring to a crisis, maybe. Well, now let's switch our attention elsewhere in the Premier League with our top tipping team, Mark O'Hare. Poised like a coiled spring, as always, ready to give us the best bets. Mark, let's head to West London for the clash between Brentford and Everton. It seems like it could be another tough day for Sean Dyche, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not expecting this to be one of the prettier games of the weekend in the Premier League. Uh, at the moment, Brentford and Everton are two of the three teams to attempt the most long passes in the Premier League this season. Uh, interestingly enough, too, if you go back to the start of 2021-22, 20, 
Brentford lead the way in that metric for long passes, but actually Everton top that metric if you look at matches only since Sean Dyche was appointed. So, um, yeah, it might not be too much football on the deck. Uh, clearly, the sort of aerial and physical attributes of the two teams will be well matched. But um, outside of that, I just think Brentford are a, a smarter, more assured outfit, aren't they, really? And um, I'm happy to trust them to, to win the game at odds on quotes, uh, 1.86 on the exchange. They could and should have, have beaten Bournemouth quite comfortably at home last time out. Uh, they've given Spurs and Newcastle very good games and already smashed up Fulham at, at the cottage as well. So Everton have just that one point to the name, their joint worst ever start. There has been positive a- aspects in some of those games, particularly the, the Wolves and Fulham matches, which both ended in defeat without scoring. Then they're unable to beat Sheffield United, despite the lion's share of opportunities. They failed to score in four or five and, and that sort of finishing ability is a, is a real concern really. And that's before we even get into their away record, which is what two wins from 21 since the start of last season. They failed to score in 10 of those. Go back to the start of 21-22. It's four away wins in 40 Premier League games and a 55% loss rate, whilst averaging just 0.9 goals per game, keeping four clean sheets in 40 and conceding 1.93 goals per game. It's, uh, it's really quite disturbing. It's been a long-term issue for Everton. Um, last week, uh, they completed competed for the most part against their Arsenal, but just offered absolutely nothing in forward areas. I think they had six or seven touches in Arsenal's box overall. Um, clearly, the aim was for a, a clean sheet to utilise set pieces. And, and they're just starved, really, of, of possession or territory or any sort of moments of magic. And, and Beto had 18 touches in 65 minutes. Dan Juma had fewer than that, despite playing 90 minutes. So I think it's pretty bleak to be an Everton fan right now. We touched on off-field issues last week. And um, yeah, they're playing a Brentford team who, with or without Ivan Tony, just look like a very capable unit right now. But the front two is is working really well in tandem. And their home record at home, uh, the home record in the Premier League is, is very, very strong. Two defeats there since the start of last season, averaging not far off two goals per game. Um, and if you look at their XG figures this season across, across just five fixtures, they're averaging 2.11 XG. Uh, in three of those fixtures, they've generated at least 2.2 XG. And in four of those five games, they've managed at least nine shots in the box. So, yeah, expecting Brentford to, to get uh, the better of Everton in, in quite a, might, might be an ugly match, actually. But I think 1.86 on the home side is more than fair. The data doctor, Jake Oscarthorpe, with us once again. Uh, Jake, I mangled your name there, Jake Oscarthorpe. There we go. This is, Even Bernatov did a better job about, last week. <laughs> not, not as if I've said it about 300 times. Uh, Jake, we're going to start with your doctor's prescription, where you find us a goal scorer bet based on the stats. Who have you gone for? Um, it's going to be a fairly boring one because his name's been mentioned quite a lot on this podcast already this season. It's Brian and Buemo. Um, I'm still shocked to see the price, to be honest. Um, but we're getting 13 to eight for him to score any time. Um, he scored in two of the three home games this season. He's racked up XG totals of 1.3, 0.08, which was um a very poor one, but granted it was in a low scoring draw. Uh, and 0.75 in his three home outings. And overall, he's averaging 0.78 expected goals per 90 minutes, which is exceptional. We also have him uh, on side as a penalty taker, which is always um, you know, important when you're looking at any goal scorer bets. Uh, and yeah, you factor in the opposition. Mark's made a very good argument as to why you should be opposing Everton. And you know, they, they just don't travel well, even under Dyche. I mean, they've won one, drawn six, lost four of Dyche's away games, conceded 2.3 expected goals against per game in those away matches, um, which is a staggering amount, really. Um, and yeah, suggests that Mbwemo is going to get quite a few chances if they continue playing like that. And I think they will, because looking at the other data uh, on the other side of it for Everton, they've actually created 
1.78 expected goals for per away game in that stretch. So they, they are very much kind of anti-Everton, if that makes sense. When they go on the road, they actually try to create chances and also leave themselves exposed at the back. So um, I do think it could be a, a little bit more of an entertaining game than what Mark's potentially anchoring for. But um, yeah, I, I agree with him that Brentford should win. And I think if they do get on the score sheet a couple of times, the chances are Embuema will have one of them. Well, there's no doubt that injury time goals are a great source of drama in football, but we do know that those goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet. So we've introduced something at Betfair called 90-minute payout. Now, when you bet on the results of a match, you can still win, even if there's injury time drama. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18+. plus. BeGambleAware.org. Manchester City had a slight scare in the Champions League, but bounced back impressively to beat Red Star Belgrade 3-1. Jake, this weekend, they face a Nottingham Forest team that's feeling pretty good about itself right now. Yeah, they, they look to have kicked on again, haven't they, from uh, the way in which they finished last season. They look um, a better team, more difficult to break down, uh, also with a bit more of a bite, especially playing the big teams. And that brings me on to, to the bet in this, which I'm going for both teams to score, which is 2.3 on the exchange. I think it's a huge price. Um, looking through some of the numbers, obviously, Forest have already scored at Arsenal. They scored twice at, at Manchester United. They scored and won at Chelsea this season. Um, and if you remember, their record last season away from home was just rubbish. I think that was probably an understatement. <laughs> Is that the technical term again? <laughs> I, I, I think I think I could have gone harsher, to be honest. Um, I think I've, I've, I've come very, very soft on them there. Uh, they were really bad away from home. So the fact that they're actually scoring more goals, uh, picking up more points when travelling, has to be seen as a positive. I'm not saying they're going to go to the Etihad and win, because obviously that takes some doing. But, you know, Manchester City, they've already conceded when hosting Fulham this season. They conceded 1.5 expected goals in that game. Red Star or Kravenas Vedza scored in midweek as well. Um, and if you look at the last season, they actually conceded in 12 of 19 home matches, which is quite a lot. Um, and, you know, that that kind it's of quite percentage... surprising for such a dominant team, isn't it, really? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, that, that as a percentage is 63%. And that suggests that the 2.3 that we're getting is, just based on those prices, uh, is way too big. Um, you factor in the schedule, which is is obviously ramping up midweek uh, Carabao game again away at Newcastle. We know that Pep generally likes to take that seriously, that competition. Um, and then they've got basically no respite for a while now because they've got I think it's seven. They've got seven of the teams that finished in the top eight last season in an eight game span, which I think is just you know already injuries are piling up. The squad's generally thin anyway, which is just how Pep likes it. Um, they're missing basically five first teamers, aren't they? It's Bernardo, uh, Stones, Grealish, De Bruyne, one other that I'm forgetting. Uh, Kovacic has, has got a knock. Um, so all of that kind of just, I'm not taking an, to so much of an anti-City um, bet here, but just more of a, I think they'll be a little bit more vulnerable than what they perhaps would be if they were at full complement. And I think Forrest have shown me enough, particularly in these kind of games where they're going to be sitting back and predominantly playing on the counter-attack to suggest they can cause a few problems. And I don't think it's a surprise to see Forrest actually look at their worst when they've played against Sheffield United and Burnley this season, two teams yeah. that that aren't of the stature of the other three teams that they've already played, that, that will, you know, especially in Sheffield United's case, they're, they're quite similar in the way in which they approach games. So neither team really wants the ball much. Uh, Burnley were a little bit more standoffish than I expected them to be in that Monday night game. Um, so, yeah, I think this could be a potentially... I'm not saying it's going to be a massive shot, but I definitely can see Forrest scoring. 
Now, in the German Bundesliga, Stuttgart are playing Darmstadt on Friday night. Stuttgart, bizarrely, the great entertainers of the Bundesliga season so far. Top scorers ahead of both Leverkusen and Bayern Munich. And they have the league's individual top scorer in Seru Girassi, who has banged in eight goals already, including a hat-trick in last week weekend's win at Mainz. If you use the Sportsbook's bet builder, you can double up a Stuttgart win with a Girassi goal, and that gives you a price of evens. And it's worth bearing in mind that Darmstadt, uh, to use Jake's uh, XG technical term, have been rubbish so far. Uh, they were 3-0 up against Gladbach last weekend and ended up drawing... 3-3. They've not won a game at all so far and they have leaked lots of goals. So I would back Stuttgart to win at home and Seru Girassi to score. And that gives you a combined price on the bet builder of around about evens. Uh, Mention that Mainz got battered at home by Stuttgart, Mark. They go to Augsburg this weekend and that's the game you want to talk about. Yeah, um, very similar sort of angle uh, and reasoning for it as I did last week when Stuttgart played Mainz. Um, basically, when you see an over two and a half goals line in the Bundesliga, you have to give it your full focus because uh, the league is the highest scoring league in Europe by a fair distance. And the first four rounds this season have been tremendous fun. If you're a goals-based backer, 3.83 goals per game, 78% of matches have gone over two and a half goals and 58% have gone over three and a half goals. And I'm happy to sort of back it again when these two teams are involved at 176. Um, if you combine the two teams, eight games they played, uh, seven of those matches have featured over two and a half goals. Six of them have gone over three and a half, and six have also seen BTTS. Neither side have managed to keep a clean sheet, and the two teams have each conceded 12 goals already in their four fixtures. Uh, long-term numbers are also very much in our favour. Uh, Augsburg have scored in 15 of the 19 at home since the start of last season. Uh, their head coach, who I cannot remember his name, but he's... Enrique um, Marsen. That's the guy. Uh, he's a former uh, head coach, a former reserve team coach at Dortmund. So you can imagine how he likes to set up his team. Um, and actually, they've only kept five clean sheets at home in that 19-game sample. Their two home fixtures this season have been 2-2 and 4-4 draws. And the Planner Mites team, who surprisingly prop up the division at the minute, um, Bo Svensson, the highly rated coach, um, doesn't seem to have a, a grasp on his team right now. 4-0 and 4-1 defeats on their travels so far. You mentioned that 3-1 loss at home to Stuttgart last weekend. I, I watched and they were outclassed for a lot of it. They've actually scored, though, in 15 of 19 away days going back to the start of last year, but just three clean sheets on their travels as well. I just think the fact that neither of these two teams have started well in terms of winning matches well they're both winless after four match days they're both conceding and shipping goals uh, i think both will take a front foot approach here because the the importance of getting points at this stage of the season can't be underestimated and therefore i'm just very surprised we can still get an over two and a half goals line involving these two teams at the price it is so happy to to go in again let's take it back to england and a london derby palace up against fulham jake fulham Against Luton, rode their luck a bit, but they got the win. But they haven't been very impressive so far, have they? No, not at all. Um, I do think that they are showing some signs of improvement. Um, the performance against Manchester City was OK. I mean, they still lost 5-1 and see the two expected goals. But there was obviously that the one goal that put City in front that probably should have been ruled out um, when Akanji was basically stood in front of the goalkeeper. But Ridiculous decision. Yeah, ridiculous decision. And, and you know, City probably would still have gone on to win the game. They might not have won it as handily as they did, but still, um, we have to think about that. And, yeah, Luton last time out, they kept a clean sheet, did Fulham, but they conceded one and a half expected goals again. They're averaging this season 2.5 per game, which is 
very, very high. And it definitely needs to come down if we're to take them seriously as a non-relegation team. Um, and yeah, I, I do like the look of Crystal Palace. I know they've had a couple of um, iffy results, but they've come against two teams that finished in the top eight last season, Villa and Arsenal. Um, and if we actually look at Roy Hodgson's record since he took over, they've won seven, drawn four, lost four of his 15. Three of the defeats came against teams that finished in the in the top eight last season. So they won seven, drew, drawn four, lost one against teams that finished in ninth and below. Um, the results against teams that finished in ninth and below when playing at home were one, four, drawn two. So generally, they are a team that perform very well um, against the so-called lesser likes. And, and they do get found out a little bit when playing against the better teams. So I think this is a, a pretty good spot to get Palace on side. Um, the underlying data looks good as well. I mean, if, even if you take the full 15-game span and include the better teams, they're averaging 1.44 expected goals for 1.1 expected goals against the game, which is a very, very good process. And it kind of back to what the levels we saw under Patrick Vieira in that first season when they were showing so much promise. Um, no, yeah, Elise, does that swing it at all for you? Elise still being injured? It's uh, well, done okay without him. They've, they've done okay. They obviously, you know, they beat Sheffield United away. They've beaten Wolves at home drawn away at Brentford. So the games against the, again, the non-elite, non-big teams have generally, they've fared very well. And I still think there's enough quality in there to be able to cause some problems for Fulham. Um, I also, you know, obviously there's no Zahar to start this season, but the creativity has still been there, which I think is quite, um, quite important. I think Hodgson deserves quite a lot of uh, kudos for that. Um, and yeah, I think this is going to be quite a high scoring game. So I was looking at the overs as well as a second bet. Um, and I think if it does get a little bit, you know, open, I think Crystal Palace have definitely got a little bit more about them um, to to get the win. So the main bet is Crystal Palace to win around even money on the exchange. And yeah, it looks as though they are becoming not quite flat track bullies in the way that we've seen like an Aston Villa or a Newcastle last season where they just completely dominate the bottom half of the table. But um, they definitely should be winning or expected to win quite a lot of the games when playing against these kind of teams. So especially at home as well. Barcelona's last two games, they've scored 10 goals and conceded none. And Joao Felix has looked very, very good. Uh, they absolutely battered Antwerp in the Champions League, having seen off a very good Betis team in the game before that. Uh, I find it utterly extraordinary that Atletico Madrid were willing to loan Joao Felix to Barcelona. But there we go. And Mark, Barcelona face Celta, and you'd think... They play the kind of football they've been playing recently. They've got to be in with a shout winning again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm going to back them to overcome a minus one and a half Asian handicap hurdle here. So backing them to win by two goals or more. Uh, it's trading just below even money at 1.98. And yeah, I'm, I'm feeling quite positive. Well, very positive about Barcelona this season. We talked about them in the Champions League uh, as, as a conversation, as potential kind of uh, challenges actually in that competition and you know if you look at the squad uh, at least the first 11 and, and sort of beyond that it's pretty formidable um, the late additions of Cancelo and Felix have kind of just uh, amplified what is already a, a very strong set of players and it, Felix as you say has made a, a fabulous introduction to life for Barca four goal uh, contributions already which is has already matched his uh, tally with Chelsea last season so making a huge impression. Um, as you mentioned, that Antwerp game in midweek, they won the shots in the box count 19-2. Um, <laughs> and I think they created six big chances. If you look at the shot map, it's it's pretty impressive. So, uh, yeah, they're going very well. Um, obviously, only five games into the La Liga season, but they've generated at least two expected goals in four of those five fixtures. And in three of those five games, they've had at least nine shots on target. So, 
They've already dispatched Cadiz and Betis comfortably at the Olympic Stadium, done the same to Antwerp. And I do fear for Celta, um, who are now under the tutorship of Rafa Benitez. Um, I watched their match last weekend when they lost 1-0 at home to Mallorca. And it was pretty desperate stuff, to be honest. Um, Very profligate when they did create opportunities. But they looked all out of ideas for the most part. And um, they look a little bit lost at the minute. And I wonder whether that's due to Gabby Vega's big money move to the Middle East. Um, He was a real heartbeat of that team last year. They've now failed to score three times in five under Rafa. Their only win came at rock bottom Almeria and they were outplayed and outfought in that fixture too. So quite fortuitous to get the points in that fixture. Um, So when you're sort of at a low ebb, I don't think uh, travelling to Barcelona is high on your agenda. So I expect Barca to get the job done. Uh, I know most of these matches took place at Camp Nou, but they have won 17 of the last 21 home league games, averaging 2.1 goals and keeping 18 clean sheets, which is outrageous really. Um, uh, and Celta, you know, understandably haven't been great travellers when you know going to the big boys in La Liga in the last couple of seasons either. So suspect Barca will be far too strong, so you can back them to win uh, minus one and a half at 1.98. Worth bearing in mind, you can get a free bet when you place a £5 bet builder on Arsenal versus Spurs this Sunday. We'll have a full preview of that game, uh, including Dimitar Berbatov, the former uh, Spurs striker opt-in required max free bet varies from one pound to five pound per customer minimum combined odds T's and C's apply 18 plus be gambleaware.org now it's time for the world famous podcast treble a betting feature so popular that Jeff Goldblum's been ringing me night and day begging me for the chance to play Marco Hare in a film of his tipping career I've said no, no so far you up for don't, that, Mark? Jeff don't Goldberg like him. You, you don't no. like him? I mean, you I know who he is. Yeah, I know who he is. He's in Jurassic Park, isn't he? Um, and yeah. some other stuff. I, I don't like him, no. <laughs> He's a lovely chap. My no, wife's a big fan. We met no. him. He was he was delightful. He was delightful. He plays yeah. the piano very well as well, apparently. He does. And that's why we were there. He was one of his jazz performances. There you go. So, yes. Okay. Well, no. well, He's not playing me. Well, uh, there we go. Mark has spoken. Mark has spoken. So, any other really actors... sorry, Jeff. Really sorry, Jeff. You're out of the picture. You're gone. So, any other actors who want to get in touch, please do. Uh, I'm the presenter, so I could do what I like. So, I'm going to steal Jake's tip, and I'm going to back Brian and Burmo to score uh, for Brentford against Everton. That's going to kick us off with the treble. How it works is each of us picks. Uh, a selection from the weekend's action, and then our lovely traders wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. So I'll go for Brian and Burmo to score. Jake, I'll give you time just in case I have stolen your bet. <laughs> uh, Mark, what have you got for us? I'll go both teams to score at Augsburg versus Mainz. Of course you will. And Jake, take us home. Um, I'll take Ipswich to beat Blackburn. Um, yeah, Ipswich just continue to impress. Their record is... Silly, really. Um, they've won 19 of the last 22 league games, spanning across this season and last season. Drawn twice, lost just once. Underlying data is sensational. 1.9 expected goals for 1.2 against in the in the championship. Fresh off a win away at Southampton. They're hosting a Blackburn team. Uh, the last away game was a 3-0 hammering at Plymouth, and they could only draw with Rotherham, going 2-0 down. And then Rotherham got a man sent off and they got back to a 2-2. So if, if that didn't happen, they probably end up with two defeats against two teams that are expected to finish in the bottom four or five. So, yeah, Ipswich to win. They are at home. And now we've got all of the other stuff out the way. Because what you really wanted to hear was Marco Hare's Scott Watch. Mark, 
what have you got for us this week? <laughs> yeah, no good last week. The the 23 to 10 shout on Motherwell and over one and a half goals uh, went down. They lost 1-0 despite winning the shot count 29. Um, so we're going to drop to the Scottish Championship on Saturday. Take a look at Airdrie's match with with, uh, with Wraith Rovers. Airdrie started OK, uh, but both of their two victories uh, did come at home as well. But they're playing a Wraith team who are top of the, ta- top of the table at the minute. Four wins from five and unbeaten. Um, I want to get Wraith on side in the draw no bet market at evens, which does look very nice. They've already held Partick away, who are one of the strongest teams in this division. They've turned Dunfermline over away from home, and they've been pretty solid on the data too. Um, so Airdrie have lost successive away days 2-0 and 4-0, and they're sitting in the bottom two for both shots and shot-on-target ratio rankings. Um, and across their first five fixtures, Airdrie are averaging just 2.2 shots on target. So... Quite surprised that they're offered um, at the price they are in this game is a bit of an each of two offering. Um, Wraith's only defeat across league and cup games this season was against Hibs. Uh, they've won eight of 11 matches. So evens in the draw no bet market looks a good bit of value in the championship. Um, Culture Corner, let's go to Airdrie. Um, originally Airdrionians formed in 1878, but they uh, had to be liquidated in the early 2000s due to bankruptcy. They reformed in 2002 as Airdrie United. Uh, but the name was changed back to their traditional origins of Airdrionians in 2013. However, there is a fair amount of controversy surrounding this all. Excellent. Um, <laughs> Airdrionians actually finished runners-up in the Scottish First Division before they actually had to go out of business. The SPFL expelled them, which created a vacancy for a club in the Third Division. Now, an Airdrie fan and businessman, uh, amongst others, kind of worked tirelessly to, to produce a, a Phoenix club that could be admitted back into the league, but they were rejected because Gretna got the vote and Gretna joined the uh, SPFL. Yes. So that. what did yeah, what did Adrianians do? They went out and completed a buyout of Clyde Bank, who had been suffering money problems of their own. The club was relocated to Airdrie, the kit was changed to resemble Airdrie, uh, and the name changed to Airdrie United. So officially, Adrianians we see today is actually a legal continuation of Clyde Bank. Um so I wondered why I hadn't heard of Clyde Bank for years. They're mm. quite a famous club weren't they they are yeah 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 definitely um so Clyde Bank have had to kind of scratch around and be reformed by a supporters group um they're still playing in the lower leagues in Scotland at the minute but there's a huge amount of bitterness uh towards Adrianians uh, yeah so you know echoes of sort of Wimbledon MK Dons fiasco and yeah um RB Leipzig yeah yeah, yeah. So uh, Clay, Clyde Bank and Airdrie are around 23 miles apart. So, uh, you know, it's not exactly a, a trip down the road if you want to go and see your, your, your apparently new team. So, um, but yeah, I'm going to keep being negative about Airdrie because of that, because uh, in terms of the town itself, there's just nothing to get excited about, sadly. Um, they <laughs> ah, do right. have... Wonderful. The Airdrie Tourist Board uh, <laughs> in floods of tears here. I was angry right, okay. when I was doing my research on Airdrie, yes. Airdrie so I'm going to keep putting the boot in. Uh, they do have um, the tallest structure in Scotland, which is the Black Hill Transmitting Station. Sounds riveting. Uh, and the Airdrie Public Observation Tower, uh, which is only one of four observation towers in the UK. And apparently it's a very popular destination if you're into your fishing as well. But um, kind of being so close to Glasgow, they're kind of dwarfed by the big city. But yeah, that's Airdrie. We don't like them. Come on, Clyde Bank. Shame on you, Airdrie. And what you can do is if you go up that observation tower, you can look down upon the shame of Airdrie. Shame (laughs) on you. Right. There we go with that, with that bit of civic anger. Uh, That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. We're going to be looking ahead 
to the North London Derby in the Sunday show. Dimitar Berbatov will once again join us for that. Uh, I can't guarantee that we won't slag off Airdrie in the Sunday show. Who knows? Uh, that's up to us, really. From Berber, from Jake, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now.